Live from the Great White North, this is the Canadian Investor, where you take control of your own portfolio and gain the confidence you need to succeed in the markets. Hosted by Braden Dennis and Simon Belanger. Welcome back to the Canadian Investor, everybody. I'm joined by my co-host, Braden Dennis. Uh, my name is Simon Belanger. Uh, we're back with another episode. Really excited to be back. It's Saturday. We're going to get two out this week, like we had mentioned. Um, and we'll talk a bit more about the markets. Then we'll uh, talk about three companies that were requested by uh, Mathieu. I don't have his last name, but uh, most likely a francophone uh, because that's the French spelling. Um, Braden, how's it going? Uh, Saturday, long weekend uh, for um, for Easter. Yeah, Saturday, long weekend. Happy Easter for those who celebrate I got my coffee and lots of Baileys in here this morning, just because, you know, it's, it's a long weekend and it's Saturday, so why not here? So, uh, yeah, I should be fired up for this episode, given that. And, yeah, so looking back, short week, Monday to through Thursday, uh, the stock market from last Friday's close is up around 12%. Uh, so you're seeing this rally, and it's got all kinds of people confused a little bit of FOMO trying to jump in and, and hoping that they caught some sort of bottom guys I'll repeat this many many times this episode timing the bottom is literally impossible requires pure luck so what you do is you just continue to buy while the stock market is going down and even right now do not feel like you've missed some sort of bottom. The coronavirus cases are only going up. The peak is supposed to be later in April. So we are not out of the woods yet. So don't get this false notion that because markets move really fast, that you've somehow missed something or created this FOMO. Guys, seriously, rational thinkers here will continue to buy during the bottom and yes, you should be buying because the stock market doesn't wait for anyone. It'll recover eventually once this all settles down and we go back to life normal as we know it, whatever normal looks like. And you'll wish you had been aggressively buying stocks right now. So so, so don't try to time the bottom. That is going to be my rant for this whole episode, I think, Simon. I mean, it's, it's a valid rant, and um, yeah, I completely agree with that. You should not try to time the bottom, um, especially this week. It's, um, I mean, a lot of the market gains were just like based on like somewhat good news. The reality is, is no one really knows when this, you know, things are going to get back to normal. The more I read about it, I've listened a bit on Bill Gates, which uh, he seems to know quite a bit about it too, and sounds like we won't get fully back to normal until there is a vaccine in place um there is my obviously i think there's going to be a gradual kind of you know things opening back up again but probably what's going to happen people are going to have to go out with masks on be extra precaution uh, in place um i don't think the social distancing or physical distancing is going away anytime soon at least to you know, it'll stay in place to some extent. Um, so I think there's still a lot of uncertainty this week. I think a lot of the market gains were due because of that. Some slightly better news coming out. People saying that the numbers of uh, 
total infections and deaths might not be as high as originally projected. But again, that changes on a week-to-week basis. Um, so I'd be cautious about that. The other thing that led the market specifically in the States, uh, but obviously worldwide, because usually they, they have a big impact on those, is uh, Bernie Sanders dropping out in the States of the uh, presidential race. So that had been weighing on the markets a little bit because uh, of uh, what people perceive as a more socialist agenda. Uh, a lot of people were fearing insurance companies in the states that would have a hard time if uh, Saunders would be elected president. So now that he's no longer there, um, there's less pressure from that perspective. So I think we're going to see a lot more market volatility in the next weeks, months, probably for the rest of the year, to be honest. So like Braden said, don't try to, to time the market. You're best off having you know, a plan in place or a regular schedule. That is a very good point. There are lots of things kind of going into the mix and why this rally this last week happened. Most of it being riding off the coattails of proof that what we are doing as a society by distancing ourselves physically is working and it should be working. It's definitely, it should be slowing down the infection. Here I am. I'm like a castaway here. Tom Hanks haven't left my house in what feels like I think it's going into week five. Who knows at this point? So let's transition. Matthew provided uh, a question on, on GetStockMarket.com. Thank you very much for uh, the questions about specific stocks. It's fun for us to talk about them. Um, so the three he listed were Bombardier, MTY Food Group, and the last one was Linamar Corporation. So I'm going to let Simon dish out his thoughts on Bombardier because this one is this one's fun to talk about and kind of fun to roast. Um, I'll give my quick take. I'm not going to talk about any fundamentals or anything other than this one makes me a little bit sad as a, as a Canadian engineer. The innovation story from Bombardier was so awesome in terms of uh, planes and trains and, you know, the recreation, all the sea dews, the jet skis, the uh, snowmobiles. It was such a great Canadian story that has just been mismanaged and just failed to hit the mark for what feels like my entire lifetime now. So um, I'll let Simon talk about some of the actual fundamentals with Bombardier and say it correctly would be a good start too. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, like Matthew's name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's, he'd be fine if you call him Matt. Um, I know I have a buddy who's... Uh, French name, obviously French Mathieu, um, and I call him Matt all the time. Um, but I digress. So it's uh, Bombardier. Um, that's how we pronounce it in French. Um, so Bombardier started a long time ago. I don't obviously I'm, uh, started way before I was born. Um, but like Braden said, it's not been a good couple of decades, if not more, for uh, Bombardier. Um, there's not much left of their business. So they've actually sold off the recreational aspects so of recreational vehicles. Sea dews, uh, snowmobiles, all that. So that was spun off several years ago, uh, sold off. Um, they also recently got into an agreement to sell their C series to Airbus. So whatever they had left in terms 
terms of stake, I think it was around 35%. So they're out of the commercial aircraft business, they're out of the recreational uh, vehicle business. And now just recently, I think about last month, uh, if I remember correctly, they sold the rest of their uh, train division to Alstom. So the European company for eight point something billion dollars, I know they're going to use part of that to pay off their debt. So what this all means is that Bombardier only has one line of business left, and that's uh, private jets. Um, problem with private jets, it can be very cyclical based on how the economy is doing, uh, caters obviously to rich people or corporation. And uh, in this type of climate, especially, um, I think corporations and individuals that can't afford this, um, even based on perception, uh, you'll probably see... Um, you know, orders go down for private jets. That would be my projections without uh, being, you know, very knowledgeable in that uh, industry. But it's probably a, a nice to have for them, not a must. And when their businesses are struggling, they're not going to be spending on that. So that's going to affect their sales as well. Um, if I look at their balance sheets, I mean, it's not looking good. Uh, so the most recent one didn't include the recent sale of assets. So it's a bit harder to, to make sense of it. Uh, but they have a lot of liabilities on the balance sheet. Um, and I honestly don't know with their revenue, with their revenue being much lower now because they have a lot less in terms of lines of business. I really don't know how they're going to survive. I think they're worth a bit more than a billion dollars in terms of market cap now. They've fallen from grace. Um, they've been a darling in Quebec for a lot of years and it's sad to see it but i've not heard anything from the federal or provincial government in terms of bailout for bombardier and with them having sold most of their businesses away um, i think we're probably seeing the end of the line uh, for for them um, a quick anecdote too is uh, i'm sure everyone remembers sears so all the stores are closed in canada but they're still open in some well they're closed right now but they're they were still open until uh COVID-19 uh, came into effect or and all the restrictions um, not all of them but some stores in the states but what happened with Sears is a similar story so they were um, a bit of a leader when it came to well maybe not leader but they were well positioned 15 20 years ago and as things started to slow down they didn't invest in the business they did not invest in their online presence and then they had a lot of debt they needed to you know make save money pay off debt because they didn't take the um, precautions when it was time 15 20 years ago they didn't make the proper investments um, so they had to sell some valuable assets and it really started a downward spiral for them so they sold a bunch of their brands I think Kenmore they sold that off they sold a bunch of their tool brands um, so at the end I mean it's nice you get money in but then your revenue actually go down afterwards so it's kind of uh, unfortunately a uh, a bit of a downward spiral for for companies that do that so that's kind of my take uh an overview of bombardier a bit of a historical i guess uh, <laughs> story as well but uh, i personally would not touch that uh, that business uh, with a 10-foot pole i know it's not expensive but uh you know it can always go lower it's uh it's a penny stock but it's still worth over a billion dollars so uh in my mind it can still go lower it is a sad story, Bombardier. And 
they basically have spun off all of their good segments, uh, spun off or sold all of their good cash flow generating assets, and they are officially stuck with nothing. It, it it's just it's too bad. Uh, the one spinoff, the Bombardier Recreational BRP, the manufacturer of Sea-Doo, and uh, so that is ticker D-O-O, Do, that's been an incredible performer and is down 70% from this market correction. Uh, couldn't tell you why, but if you were looking for something in the Bombardier Origins uh, the Sea-Doo holding company that was spun off by Bombardier is publicly listed under ticker DOO and has been a very good performer. So uh, might be something more worth looking at right now in terms of something that is not uh, completely dying and you're catching a, a, a failing business. All right, let's move on to two more. Uh, the first one I'm going to talk about is Linamar Corporation. Uh as a graduate from the University of Guelph, uh, Linamar is an important uh, business in the, the Guelph, Ontario area because they have over 30 manufacturing plants and they're all in Guelph. So it employs a lot, a large population. And this is automotive manufacturing parts. Their biggest competitor in Canada is Magna, Magna International, a company that <laughs> keeps coming up on this podcast for some reason. And... They, uh, they make auto parts in, uh, in the capacity of a tier one supplier. So essentially, they ship parts to the OEM and get fed tier three and tier two auto part suppliers. So very similar to, Ma- to Magna, except Magna is way, way bigger. It operates all around the world in pretty much every continent, uh, whereas Linamar, you're looking at inside Guelph. The only real differences between them... Uh, Linamar primarily focuses on powertrains, so how the actual car drives, uh, primarily. I mean, they have lots of different segments, but they also have some other cool assets uh, that they manufacture. Um, the uh, Skylift, or what's it called? Um, <laughs> anyways, in, uh, in construction, they have another pretty cool uh, business that's done very, very well for them. So this business, I look at it and I go, okay, I buy this or Magna, and Magna has way more capability in engineering we've talked about before. I think they will be a key partner in the driverless car uh, transition, and they just have way more capabilities than, than Linamar, to be quite frank. Let's talk about the valuation. This company, Linamar, is trading at five times earnings. Incredibly cheap for a company that's been growing at like 16% a year. However... 2018, 2019, we have seen a somewhat looks like a peak of a cyclical industry, which is auto sales. So it's hard to expect that that growth will continue. And let's not kid ourselves. I've talked about the auto supply chain being incredibly complicated. I think the most complicated supply chain on the entire planet. And a lot of the world is just not manufacturing right now if it's not essential services. So a lot of them have transitioned to making things like ventilators. But their priority right now is to make cars, but they can't. Uh, So it's very, very difficult. Um, Beyond that, I think it's incredibly cheap. The growth story has been good. I think the growth won't continue 
the way it has because uh, they are tied to auto sales. I think I like Magna a little bit more. I mean, Magna is a lot bigger, has the engineering capabilities and manufactures to all the OEMs across the entire world, Europe, Asia, North America. Uh, whereas Linamar, you're looking at, you know, a Canadian pure play manufacturer and auto sales. All right. MTY Food Group, another stock that has completely been battered by coronavirus. They have primarily all of their food, like, uh, food stores in food courts and the office crowd. That is their bread and butter in terms of uh, fast, casual food along with the restaurants that they have. So you're looking at the office crowd and shopping malls. Those two things not open right now. Those two things, low, low traffic. So that's why the stock is getting absolutely crushed. They're an acquirer of distressed food, fast pickup assets, and they have done really, really well. The dividend growth has been insane. The top line growth, you're looking at north of 25% a year, uh, free cash flow at over 20% a year. A company like this, very similar in size to Recipe Foods, um, the owner of like Milestones and uh, I think Montana's Grill, the former Kara Foods, there, that would be a similar comparison. However, MTY, all of their acquisitions in the last five years have primarily been in the U.S. And They've been a really, really good acquirer. The stock is incredibly cheap, and I mean, fast casual food's not going anywhere. But the foot traffic right now is a concern. MTY has already said that their franchisers are not having to pay the full extent of the fees during this time to give them some breaks. Uh, I think that if you are a long-term dividend growth investor, MTY is definitely one you should probably put on your list. Meets all my screens. Uh, fairly well, fairly well-run company. Also, another Quebec story. I mean, yeah. If you if you're a contrarian investor, fast casual food, this one, MTY, recipe brands, even QSR like restaurants brand in, restaurant brand international. Definitely something you might want to put on your watch list, and uh, you know. If we're talking about beating up stocks, I'd rather pick up something like this that's heavily discounted than a, a falling, failing business like Bombardier. Yeah, that's a great overview. Um, I, I was going to mention when you were talking, uh, again, we've mentioned that in previous episodes, but be, be careful at looking at valuation metrics, especially uh, like PE ratios and things like that. Uh, most of the metrics you'll see um, will be... Uh, you know, the past 12 months, so trail and trail 12 months earnings. Um, so that's going to change quite a bit. And any estimates going forward, I'd be very careful about those because like no one really knows. That's the reality of it. So you're going to have to, you know, probably make some assumptions of your own when you want to invest in these type of businesses, um, whether it's uh, LNR or MTI, MTY Food Group or QSR or any of the businesses that Braden mentioned. 
expansion, um, it's going to be rocky for the next little bit. And it's going to be hard to predict, at least for the short term, uh, where these businesses are going to end up. So I think it goes back to what we've said before. You want to focus on businesses that have solid uh, balance sheets um, that will be able to weather the storm if their revenues go way down and uh, to make sure that their debt is not too high and they can actually survive. Yeah, that's a good point. Using trailing or forward-looking valuation metrics like the PE, like the price of sales, like to, like it, it, it's really, really useless if the business is heavily impacted. So you, you're correct. I'm just trying to get you give you a sense of how cheap they really are in terms of their growth in the past right now. But again, very good point. Like Air Canada trading at two and a half times earnings does not tell you a very good story about if the company is cheap or not when we're talking about potential bailouts happening, which I think we can all agree on. A company named Air Canada has the uh, <laughs> has the uh, backstop of, of the Bank of Canada. There's no doubt about it. Bombardier, I think they've kind of... Uh, they've lost that opportunity have they been bailed out before bombardier do you know yeah i'm pretty sure they have uh, at least uh subsidized i know they've have like been heavily subsidized in the past to keep uh, jobs in in canada um i don't know if they've been bailed out per se so i don't want to give any false information but i'm i'm very certain that they've been subsidized I'm not sure if it was the federal provincial or both um but i know that's happened in the past yeah fair enough yeah so uh, of those companies we just talked about there are lots of companies that are on the operating table in terms of having issues and heavily discounted because of those issues. And this is something I actually wanted to talk about that I was texting Simon with earlier is I hate, absolutely hate the notion of the cliche risk reward scenario where the notion that if you take on more risk, you are automatically rewarded. Uh, that could not be uh, farther from the truth for long-term patient investors that get rewarded very handsomely for not taking on excessive risk. With these companies that are on the operating table, for the first time I'm looking at this and in a very unprecedented situation being in a pandemic, I'm looking at this and for the first time it feels to me like risk and reward are actually weighted correctly. And the upside and downsides being very big on some of these companies, depending on how it plays out, the risk reward actually feels balanced. And I am so against that cliche, uh, take on more risk, get more reward. It's, it's complete BS. Um, and, and I could go into the reasons of why that is. Uh, basically, if you lose 100%, you have to regain 300% because of that math. I've written many, many articles on investing losses math and how it actually really kills long-term returns. But here, it feels, it feels about right. What's your take on that, Simon? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I I would always be careful, same for me in terms of like risk reward when people say, oh, you can't get like high rewards if you don't take a lot of risk. I mean, I guess you can make, there is some merit to that if you look at all the billionaires or the most of them, 
most of them are like super concentrated oftentimes like it's in one business you take like uh, jeff bezos like most of his wealth is around amazon um but then again you can still become you know very wealthy over time if you have an approach of just selecting solid businesses um, that you want to keep for the long term that have solid fundamentals um, versus investing in stuff that's like yeah it's you might get a really high reward but to me it comes down a bit more to expected value and that's a concept where i learned uh, in poker so not to go into too much detail about it but you want to Basically, your expected value is always uh, dependent on, you know, what you think your potential gains can be and how often that will happen and then how often you're going to lose money or lose all the money or the percentage that you lose so you have to make that calculation it's more of a nard than a science because you'll have to make a lot of assumptions yourself uh, but that's how i tend to look at it it's a bit more of a kind of a math subjective calculation to do uh, but i look at it a bit more in terms of expected value so um, you know, your expected value can be way higher for a stock like Microsoft, for example, compared to a penny stock like Bombardier. Yes, Bombardier, if it just goes to $2 a share, you'll like quadruple your money. But how often will that happen? Maybe what, 1% of the time? Like, <laughs> I don't know, but that's how I kind of think about it. I know it's more of a mathematical concept a little bit, uh, but I've kind of... I know I, I don't know if Braden you're uh, familiar with that. I assume that you are, uh, but that's the way I look at it in terms of risk reward. That's a good point, and I like the correlation from the poker game. Yeah, you bring up a good point. I mean, if Bombardier goes to two, you make some sweet return, and you go, "Wow, that was awesome." But if that happens, I don't think it's due to real business results. And that's where this gets really, really interesting. And you, you get these uh, stock market bros that are looking to make sweet returns over a very, very short period of time. And they think there's some sort of financial genius when it happens. But the reality is, is that the stock market moves much quicker than real business results. So if Bombardier goes to $2 tomorrow, it's not because... Oh, this, uh, you know, all the businesses they just gave away for a bag of hockey pucks is worth so much money all of a sudden. That's not, that's not the real, real scenario. All right. Should I go to my tip of the day here? Yeah, go for it. Uh, you had a good one. So go for it. All right. All right. My tip of the day, and this comes from uh, a message I got on my business Instagram. Uh, follow me, quick plug, at Stratosphere Investing on Instagram. I've been getting a lot of, Hey, Braden, when is the bottom? I'm not kidding. That question comes up more than you would think. And the problem with that question is where <laughs> there's a lot of problems with that question to begin with. But the notion that if you are some stock market or very experienced stock market investor or even expert, that you should know when the bottom is is completely bonkers, makes no sense. And my recommendation for you is if you find people that tell you they have some hot tip on some date that the bottom is or week or even a prediction of any kind is completely silly because they do not know and an actual experienced stock market investor 
like Simon and myself, will say the only correct answer to the question, which is, I don't know. That is the only correct answer. And sure, it might be fun to throw out some predictions and go, yes, the week of April 18th. But I'm just guessing. I don't know. Maybe I had a, another three of these Baileys and coffees this morning, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm boldly predicting when it's going to be. It's completely ridiculous. And start taking more value in the people that say they don't know because those are the people that have real experience and are telling you the truth. The idea that some someone's whispering to you that it's going to be on a specific day or uh, they, they know something about the coronavirus that you don't, it's just complete BS. Uh, and I would, I would say, let's start valuing the self-awareness trait of I don't know. Because that's all you can really do, and it will make you a better investor if you can say to yourself, I don't know, and I'm just going to continue to invest on you know, some regular schedule. We talk about this all the time. That strategy is called dollar cost averaging. So let's take value in the in the the saying I don't know and not beat up people for saying they don't know. Because those are the people who are actually experienced and have the self-awareness to know that it is impossible to know. That's that's uh end end of rant slash tip of the day for me, Simon. Yeah, no, that's that's well put. I was gonna say if you guys want to know what the uh, the bottom will be, you know, just take a calendar and pick a random date. You have much, as much as the your odds of picking the bottom are as good as anyone predicting it. So that's that's my two cents on it. But in reality, you know, people can get lucky once in a while, but no one can predict these bottoms or peaks on a consistent basis and if they do like Braden said don't listen to them um, I know it's easy you'll go on YouTube and you'll get some ads with this guy in like a private jet or whatever saying like oh I make tons of money like trading and all that like oh you know sign up for this well first of all if they were making that much money why the hell do they need you to pay to sign up for their service so that's my first thing and second they're full of I'm not gonna continue that because I don't have the explicit <laughs> content on their podcast uh, turned off but um, yeah that's that's the way to see it don't you know don't lose sleep over trying to time the bottom um, again I've said it earlier in this podcast we said it probably on every single podcast dollar cost average whether you do it on a regular interval or you know Every time the market drops uh, 5 or 10%, something like that, every time it drops, say, 10%, you invest a little more. Another 10%, you invest a little more. That way, you know, you're not uh, trying, to, trying to pinpoint the market and losing sleep over that. And if you do get lucky, hell yeah, that's awesome. That, that's, that's great if you do get lucky. But don't expect to. That's, that's where you need to really understand is if you get lucky, that's great. You're going to make a pretty penny. But expecting that you're going to get that bottom is completely, completely insane. I deployed tons of cash last Thursday, and that's up like 15%. And I look like some sort of, you know, I got some crystal ball or you know what? No, that's completely lucky. What if this week was a bloodbath? Then I look like an idiot, right? So uh, it's it's impossible to predict Long-term investors will continue to do really well. We're going to look back and whether you did it last Thursday, like my example, or uh, you know, tomorrow and it goes down 
uh, a, a ton a week later. In the short term, you're going to look either lucky or unlucky, and it will not make a significant difference in your investing lifetime uh, in the grand scheme of things. That's the main takeaway. Guys, I just updated GetStockMarket.com. Head over there. Put in your email. Put in your name. I send you the list of all of the North American dividend growth stocks that I'm looking for. All the metrics you want in one place on one spreadsheet available on the browser or you can export it to Google Sheets, mess around with the data, see what kind of metrics you like, see what the metrics I'm looking at for starters, get your screening process all good to go. And we will see you later, earlier next week uh, as we're on the, the two per week episodes right now. Thank you guys for listening so much. This has been The Canadian Investor. I'm, I'm Braden Dennis, co-host Simon Belanger, and we will see you soon. The Canadian Investor is not to be taken as investment advice. Braden or Simon may own securities mentioned on this podcast. Always make sure to do your own research and due diligence before making investment decisions. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Canadian Investor. To get a list of the top Canadian dividend stocks right now and other valuable investing resources, go to GetStockMarket.com.